Let's share a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity. We pray and ask that you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We ask the Lord will come to maturity through the teaching of your word. That we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Parosi and that we will grow in grace. That is in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We thank you, Father, for a glorious service tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. So yesterday, we did a teaching on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you were not online yesterday to watch, we still have the past video. So um, I indulge that you do your best to go and listen to part one of what we did on the resurrection of Jesus Christ yesterday night. Now we, we saw how um, the scriptures, which is from Genesis to Malachi, unveiled um, realities of the resurrection. Hallelujah. So uh, I don't want to... Um, do a recap because i'm sure it's going to take too much time uh tonight i don't want to take too much of the time so straight away we want to move into a very important teaching i i want to share on the resurrection of jesus christ now in as much as most of us have um, understood the um understood and believed in the resurrection of jesus christ there are so many people who also don't believe in the resurrection of jesus so many people don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the reason being that there are so many theories that has been uh, established against the resurrection. So many theories have been established uh, to fight against the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this is simply because many Genesis why a man could rise up again from the dead many can't understand it they can't understand that a man can die and rise again from the dead because it, it has never happened in the history of of humanity so people just can't understand how come jesus christ should die and then rise up again so uh, many theories were made to just um um, fight against the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's so amazing how people could believe it. So tonight I want to share some of the false theories um, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if we have some more time, we're going to talk about the essence of the resurrection. So I want to share with you some false theories about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There have been so many theories that have been established to fight against the resurrection of Jesus. So many theories to fight against the reality that Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. And tonight I want to share those theories with you. I established the other time in our teaching that when Jesus Christ was born, the wise men from the east came to visit him. And they presented three gifts to him. They presented three solid gifts to him. The first one was gold. The second was mare. The third was frank incense. I explained the other time that these three gifts were not just ordinary gifts. They were communicating a message about this boy that was going to be the savior of the world. It was gold, myrrh, and frank incense. Now, all these three elements had very vital significance. I've explained that in the Bible, gold signifies divinity. Nobody can create gold. You can only discover it. Just like nobody can create God, you can only discover God. So, gold signifies that which is divine. So, the, one of the best human elements or uh, one of the best natural things that can be used to explain uh, or define God is gold. Because of its rich divine um, nature. So, gold always is used to signify God. Now, mer, the word mer in Hebrew means tearful affliction. The word mer means tearful affliction. Now, it was 
cutting um, element that was used to embalm dead bodies. But the Hebrew meaning of meh is tearful affliction. Then we have um, the frankincense. Normally, frankincense is a very perfumized kind of um, um, incense, which when bent, it rises up and goes to heaven as a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, these three gifts were not ordinary gifts. No. Like we said, gold signifies God. So when the wise men presented the gold to Jesus, they were actually saying that Jesus Christ was God. They were saying Jesus is God. So gold signifies that Jesus was God. Then man also signified the tearful agony that Jesus Christ was going to go through. So man was signifying that Jesus Christ was going to go through tearful agony in death. Then Frank Incense was to represent his resurrection and ascension to heaven to present himself to the Father as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. So God, Jesus is God. Man, he was going to die. Frank Incense, he was going to rise. So the three gifts that were given to Jesus were not ordinary gifts. It was to represent his um, divinity, his death as a man, and then his resurrection. So Jesus Christ was seen in death, burial, and resurrection, even through the gifts that were presented to him. Now, this is interesting and amazing, of course. Now, I told you I was going to share with you some theories that were raising, that were raised uh, years ago against the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, like I said before in my introduction, there have been so many allegations and theories that were propounded to negate the reality that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There is a strong debate and argument against theologians about the raising of Jesus from the dead. Now, people just can't believe that Jesus, as a man, could rise from the dead. In fact, no religion believes that uh, a man could die and rise again by himself. So, it's just hard to figure this out with your brains. It's very hard to, to figure this out with your brains. That is how come the reality of the gospel is not reasoned. We understand by faith. Praise God. Quickly, I won't wait, waste too much of the time. We are going into the theories about the resurrection. So, one of the theories that were propounded against the resurrection of Jesus Christ is called the swoon theory. It's called the swoon theory. S-W-O-O-N. S-W-O-O-N. The swoon theory. It was the first theory, one of the theories that was uh, propounded against the resurrection of Jesus. I repeat again, it's called, it was called the swoon theory. S-W-O-O-N. Swoon theory. Now, I, I want to read so that you can be able to understand this perspective. Now, the swoon theory states that Jesus never died. He was even never left in the tomb as a dead man. He never rose from the, from the grave. The swoon theory believes that Jesus Christ collapsed or fainted. Or better still, Jesus went into a coma. Can you imagine? The swoon theory which was one of the theories against the resurrection, stated that Jesus Christ did not die. He only went into coma. So on the third day, he rose from coma. And look how absurd this theory is. On the third day, he rose from, from the coma. He, then he rolled the stone by himself, fought the guards and killed the guards, and came to appear to the disciples. Can you imagine? People propounded this theory that Jesus never died. So when he rose from the tomb, it was not his resurrection. It was him coming out from coma. It was a theory. And people believe this. People believe this. Now, this is what um, a theologian said. He said, for you to even think this way, 
is so impossible that it will, it will require a, a greater miracle than the resurrection itself. <laughs> the man said, to even believe this theory is so impossible that it will require a greater miracle than the resurrection. Because how do you fall into coma and nobody attends to you medically? Then you rise up by yourself. <laughs> you, you come out from your lining clothes by yourself. You roll a stone that takes 30 men to roll. You kill 100 soldiers guarding you. And come and show yourself to disciples. It doesn't make sense. So it was one of the theories that was against the resurrection. Now, the reason why this theory does not hold, I'm going to give you reasons why this theory does not hold. Now, it did not hold because uh, the Roman soldiers who were overseeing the crucifixion checked Jesus to confirm his death before they removed him from the cross. Now, this is very important. In John chapter 19, the verse 31 to 35, you are going to see that the soldiers confirmed that Jesus Christ died before they removed him from the cross. Now, what happened in John 19 was that because the next day was the Sabbath day, they wanted to quickly fast, uh, uh, fast track the death process um, by those who were hanging on the cross so that they could quickly... Um, um, make the people who were hanging on the cross die so they could remove them quickly and then um, and then bury them. Now, what the soldiers did was that they would break the legs of the people who were hanged on the cross. When they break your legs, now, because of the way you are crucified, it is very uncomfortable to stay on the cross. So normally, the, the, the people who were on the cross rested on their legs. To help them to breathe. So they rested on their thigh and their legs to help them to breathe. So this process prolonged them on the cross. But when your legs are broken, the support system by which you stand on is gone. So you begin to suffocate. We call, we call that death by asphyxiation. Death by asphyxiation. So that kind of death is the breaking of your legs which makes you uncomfortable for you to breathe and you die. So they broke the legs of the two thieves who were hanging close to Jesus. But by the time they got to Jesus, they realized he was dead. They realized Jesus was dead. So what they did to even confirm his death was that they took a spear and pierced his side. They pierced the side of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says blood and water came out from his side. You see, for blood to mix up with water coming out from your side was an indication that the heart of Jesus had ruptured. His heart had ruptured. In, a, in other words, he, he died by heart attack. His, his heart burst. His heart burst. So, so Jesus completely died. And the soldiers confirmed. So the death of Jesus was not a coma. So the swoon theory has been completely um, overcome. Now, the next thing that confirmed that the swoon theory does not hold is, um, is that Jesus Christ was embalmed with spices and perfume. Now, according to John chapter 19, the verse 39, the Bible says they used um, spices which weighed 10 pounds to embalm Jesus. Now, one of the spices was meh. So, they used spices that was, that was as heavy as 10, uh, sorry, it was as heavy as 100 pounds. Can you imagine? 100 pounds weight of spices which was used to embalm Jesus. So, this makes you very heavy. Not only that, they also use sticky lining to embalm the dead bodies like an Egyptian mummy. So they embalm you like an Egyptian mummy and you are tied starting from your finger. Then they roll. They get all your fingers. 
Then they come to your whole body. And they bandage your head. They wrap it. Just like how uh, Egyptian mummies are, are bound. So there is no way you can even be able to come out. So they use a hundred pound um, spice to embalm him. Then they use lining to cover him completely. So actually, when they are done with that process, if you are not dead, you will die. <laughs> if you are not dead, you will die. You will die well, well. So, even if Jesus was in a coma, the weight of the spices and the stickiness of the embalming, of the lining that was used to cover his whole body, it covered his nose. It covered his nose. So, he couldn't even breathe in the first place. So, it was not a coma experience. The man really died. If Jesus was in a coma, the women who were embalming him would have known that he was breathing. So, first of all, the soldiers confirmed it and the women also confirmed it. So, the swoon theory that Jesus went into coma and rose on the third day doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And the next amazing thing is that in Luke 24, after Jesus was raised, some of the disciples were even fleeing on the road to Emmaus. Or on the road to Emmaus. It will shock you to know from where Jesus was to the road to Emmaus was seven miles. Where Jesus was to the road to Emmaus was seven miles. So how does a man who has been whipped, a man who has been crucified in his hands and on his legs, who has been pierced on his side, rise from coma, break through a stone, fight the guards, come out and walk for seven miles to go and meet his disciples. Does it make sense? It doesn't make sense. Because a man like that cannot have enough strength to even walk for seven miles. Yet Jesus met with them and spoke to them. So it's an indication that Jesus actually rose from the dead. So the swoon theory that stated that Jesus fell into coma does not hold. Amazing. It doesn't hold. So quickly we want to look at the next theory. Okay, that was against the resurrection of Jesus. The next theory was the wrong tomb theory. The wrong tomb theory. The wrong tomb theory. Now, quickly, let's explain this theory. Now, like I said, this is a theory people still believe. It's a theory people still believe. Now, <laughs> this theory is also very funny. Okay, and people surprisingly have believed it. The wrong tomb theory believes that the women who went to look for Jesus at the tomb might have gone to the wrong tomb. They believe that the women who went to the tomb of Jesus went to the wrong tomb. So when they went there, the tomb was empty. So it was the wrong tomb they went. That's what people believed. Can you imagine? So, they believe that the women went to the wrong tomb. And they saw an empty tomb. And they were jumping that Jesus has risen again. They say it doesn't make sense because the women went to the wrong tomb. Now, that's also very absurd. It also doesn't make sense. And I'm going to show you why it doesn't make sense. Actually, the reason why the wrong tomb theory does not make sense is simply because the Pharisees actually spoke to Pilate to release guards to protect the body of Jesus. They, paid, they, they, they told Pilate to release guards to go and protect the body of Jesus because they remembered that Jesus prophesied that he was going to rise up again. We are going to read that scripture very soon. Now, now, don't take this teaching for granted because 
um, you, you will need to defend the gospel one day. Someone will come up with this theory and you need to answer that person. So I believe this teaching is very important because we will face questions like this in the future and you should be able to prove why Jesus rose from the dead from the scriptures. So the wrong tomb, the, the wrong tomb theory does not hold at all. So there were guards that were protecting the tomb of Jesus. Now you can imagine who dies and his tomb is protected by soldiers. Who dies and his tomb is protected by soldiers? It doesn't make sense. So when you go, when you go to the tomb where people are buried, the only tomb that was guarded with soldiers was Jesus' tomb. So how could the women have missed that tomb. It doesn't make sense. The women couldn't have missed that tomb. They, they, they couldn't have missed the tomb. And surprisingly, if, if um, the Pharisees and the Roman authorities heard that the women were jumping at Jesus, uh, uh, rose again instead of uh, um, him being in an empty to in a wrong tomb the, these authorities would have stated that it is not true because we are guarding the place so he was not raising so if it was a wrong tomb it wouldn't have been possible praise God now the, the next worrying aspect of this thing is that the disciples also went to the tomb to look for Jesus the disciples also went to the tomb and the Bible says it was even a running competition. John outweighed or outrun Peter. Amazing. And they went to the tomb. And they realized that he was not there. He wasn't there. So it was not a wrong tomb. So the wrong tomb theory does not also hold. <laughs> Amazing. So we quickly want to look at the the third theory okay the third theory now this third theory has a biblical root it has roots in the scriptures okay we can see that clearly now the third um, um theory is called the stolen body theory the stolen body theory people still believe this the stolen body theory now the stolen body theory argues that Jesus' body was, was actually stolen. Jesus did not rise from the dead. His body was stolen by the disciples. That's what they believed. So they said, Jesus' body was stolen by the women or the disciples or Joseph of Arimathea because they buried Jesus in his tomb. So this stolen body theory cannot hold. And I'm going to prove to you why the stolen body theory does not hold. <laughs> now, you need to remember that the Pharisees, like I said, went to speak to Pilate and said to Pilate that this man, when he was alive, prophesied that he was going to die and will rise up again on the third day. So, send guards to go and protect the tomb so that his disciples would not secretly go and steal the body. So Pilate listened to him. And Pilate sent guards to go and protect the tomb of Jesus. So that nobody could come and steal the body of Jesus. <laughs> so that was what happened. Now let's see if we can read some scriptures. Thank you Lord Jesus. Um, Matthew chapter 27, the verse 62. Matthew 27, the verse 62. Matthew 27, the verse 62. Matthew 27, the verse 62. All right. The Bible says, Now the next day, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, 
while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise up again. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure unto the third day, lest the disciples come at night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure. That means he was heavily guarded and sealed and protected. Sealing the stone and setting a watch. Sealing the stone and setting a watch. So they sent guards to protect and guard the tomb. So that nobody can be able to steal it. Now it's amazing that the stolen body theory does not have any hold. And let, let's prove that. Now, number one, there was a seal that was placed on the tomb of Jesus. You need to listen to this. The seal that was placed on the tomb was actually a sign of authentication that the tomb was occupied and the power and authority of Rome stood behind the seal. Now, I want to read that again. There was a seal that was placed on the tomb. That seal from the Roman government was a sign of authentication that the tomb was occupied and the authority of Rome stood behind the seal. Now, many of you don't know what it means. To have a seal upon something from Rome means that anybody who breaks it is actually going to be punished with death. Those days, you don't mess up with the Roman government. You don't mess up with the Roman authorities. If you mess up, they will kill you. So there was a seal that was placed on the tomb from, from the, the Roman government. So you dare not go touch it. <laughs> so number two, soldiers were placed at the tomb of Jesus. Soldiers were placed at the tomb of Jesus. Now, it is even believed there were more than 100 guards that were placed at the tomb of Jesus. More than 100 guards. Amazingly, according to history, these guards were running on shift. They were running on shift. And the shift system is not as if um, 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 when this one is done, he will go home. Then the next batch will come. No. The shift system they were running was that the those who, are, those who are done with their shift will form a semicircle around the tomb and sleep. Then the next people who are sleeping are going to resume their duty and be at the tomb. So even those who are running on the shift and those who are resting were still resting close to the tomb. So they were actually running a four-hour shift. So every four hours, a new badge comes to come and take over. So how do you go pass through over 100 soldiers to go and steal the body of Jesus? It doesn't make sense. You have to go past the sleeping soldiers before you get to the soldiers who are awake, awake and are protecting it. So that theory did not make sense at all. It didn't make sense. <laughs> amazing. Now, it was also amazing that any soldier who sleeps on duty was punishable by death. You need to listen to this. Any soldier in the Roman Empire who sleeps on duty or acts carelessly will be killed. If you are careless as a soldier, you'll be killed. That is how come when Paul and Silas were in the prison and there was an earthquake, when the, um, the, priest, the prison guard came and realized that the prison gates were open, he was about to kill himself. Because if you act carelessly, you'll be killed as a soldier. So he thought they had escaped, so he was about to kill himself because it was punishable by death. So you dare not sleep. 
So how do soldiers who knew that they, their lives were at stake sleep or not be around for people to come in and steal the body of Jesus? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Amazing. So the, the, some argue that the women went to steal the body. Actually, in Mark chapter 16, the verse 3, the woman on their way going to the tomb of Jesus said, Who will roll away the stone for, for us from the entrance of the tomb? The women themselves were asking when they were going to the tomb, Who will roll the stone for us? So these women even did not have what it takes to roll the stone. So how do they even go and roll the stone and then steal the body of Jesus? The disciples at that time were scared. So the disciples themselves were under lockdown. Just like we are. <laughs> they were under lockdown. They were scared as hell. They were so scared because when they were caught, they were going to report them that these are the disciples of the man that was killed. So they themselves were scared. They were under lockdown themselves. So they couldn't have gone to the tomb where the soldiers were to go and steal the body of Jesus. They didn't have what it takes. They didn't have what it takes to steal the body of Jesus. So amazingly, Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, The soldiers felt that was dead when Jesus came out. And mind you, you need to understand this. The, the stone at the tomb was not rolled for Jesus to come out. The stone was not rolled so that Jesus could come out. The stone was rolled so that men could see he's not there. <laughs> I repeat it again. The stone was not rolled so that Jesus could come out. The stone was rolled so that men could see that Jesus is not there. It was rolled for men to see that it was an empty tomb. A completely empty tomb. Hallelujah. <laughs> so they couldn't have stolen the body of Jesus. When Jesus rose up, the chief priest could not understand this reality. When it was reported to them that Jesus has risen. So they bribed the soldiers to go and report this story that Jesus did not rise. His disciples stole the body. They bribed them. They bribed the soldiers to go and say that the disciples stole the body. These were people who sent guards to protect the body. Now these same people bribed soldiers to go and say that the body of Jesus was stolen. Completely absurd. <laughs> so the stolen body theory does not hold. Jesus rose and it's a fact. So quickly, let's look at the last theory. There are many more theories, but I want to look at four with you. The last theory is called the hallucination theory. The last theory is called the hallucination theory. It was one of the theories that was used to fight against the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. The hallucination theory. Now, this theory was also another very funny theory. This theory stated that since every loved one of a dead person would wish to have their dead beloved come back to life, sometimes they tend to imagine this through mental pictures. The desire to see this relative can result in hallucination. Now, the hallucination theory believed that the disciples did not actually see Jesus physically because they were so sad and bereaved their sorrow made them have mental pictures 
and daydreaming and hallucination about Jesus. And they call that his resurrection. Can you imagine how stupid this theory is? They believe that the disciples were only seeing wrong visions. They were only hallucinating because of their much sorrow. So they were imagining that Jesus Christ, um, maybe because they were thinking of the sorrow of his death, they had dreams and hallucinations that Jesus Christ uh, appeared to them. So these people who hold this theory don't believe that Jesus rose. They actually believe that the disciples had a hallucination and they were seeing visions of Jesus. Can you imagine? Now, this theory is one of the most funny theories they could propound against the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to prove to you why this theory does not hold. Now, <laughs> it's amazing. One of the reasons why the hallucination theory cannot hold is because hallucination is personal and individual. Hallucination is not a group. It does not happen in a group. Hallucinations don't happen in a group. Two or more people cannot have the same hallucination at the same time. Two or more people cannot have hallucinations at the same time. So it is not reasonable. Even science has agreed that two or more people cannot have a hallucination at the same time. It's not possible. Hallucinations can happen to one person at a time. Yet, all the disciples saw him. And I'm going to go much deeper here. The disciples all saw him. So how did all the disciples have an hallucination at the same time how it's not possible now let's read some scriptures first corinthians chapter 15. first corinthians chapter 15. all right so i want to read from the verse 3 okay let's move he says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay? Alright. Now look at the verse 5. When he rose again, after and, and that he was seen of Cephas, then the twelve. So, Jesus was seen by Peter. Then he was seen of the 12 disciples. Let's continue. The verse 6. After that, he was seen of over 500 brethren at once. Look, it's so clear. <laughs> he was seen over five. He was seen by over 500 people at once. Note that word at once. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James and then of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Now, amazing. The Bible says when Jesus rose up from the dead, he was seen of Peter. He was seen by the twelve. So, how does he show himself to the twelve? Uh, to Peter, show himself to the twelve. Show himself to over five hundred people at once, at once, and then also to James, and to all the apostles that were recorded in the book of Acts. And you call that an hallucination theory that Jesus Christ never rose up. The disciples were hallucinating. So that theory is completely stupid. Because more than 500 people cannot hallucinate the same thing at once. It's not possible. So the hallucination theory does not hold. Jesus rose. Now, this theory was propounded by a group of people called Gnostics. They were called Gnostics. 
Now, these Gnostics were very dangerous people. They did not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. They had a certain belief system. The Gnostics believed that anything physical is evil. And everything spiritual is good. I repeat that. The Gnostics believe that anything physical is evil. And anything spiritual is good. So, if Jesus entered into the flesh and rose up bodily, it's not possible because everything in this physical world is evil. So, they rather believe that Jesus' resurrection was spiritual and that he showed himself to the disciples through an hallucination. Now, this is what makes us understand why John wrote what he wrote. So, John was always fighting these people because we were given a wrong doctrine. So, John begins in the book of 1 John by saying, That which I've seen, that which we have seen with our eyes, which our hands have handled, which we have touched concerning the word of life. John also said, Whoever does not believe that Jesus manifested in the flesh, he is the Antichrist. So these people did not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Because they could not believe that Jesus, who was God, who was in the spirit realm, could come into the flesh. So they were the ones who were propounding this theory that Jesus never rose. It was an hallucination. The disciples were seeing visions. But you see, you need to note that in the four gospels, we have an account that Jesus Christ was touched. They touched him. Number two, Thomas felt his wounds. Thomas felt his wounds. Thomas felt his wounds physically. Number three, Jesus broiled fish. He broiled fish. He broiled fish and ate it with them. How does a man appear physically? Eat fish, and you call that an hallucination. Does it make sense? As usual. So all these theories that were propounded, starting from the um, swoon theory that Jesus fell into a coma, wrong tomb theory that Jesus Christ was mistaken for a wrong tomb, the stolen body theory that Jesus' body was stolen, and then the hallucination theory all don't hold they all don't hold so i just disproved all those theories hallelujah so quickly we want to start something so i quickly want to share with you something on the essence of the resurrection of jesus so um, essence of the resurrection of jesus the essence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is very important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is very important. Get your notebooks. The essence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is very important. And we need to note it. It's very, very important. It's so crucial to Christian faith. Because without resurrection, there is no salvation. Without resurrection, there is no eternal life. Without resurrection, there is no Holy Spirit. Without resurrection, there is no justification. Without resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. So, the resurrection is, is the core message of the gospel. Now, I didn't say the death of Jesus Christ is not important. What I'm saying is that it was the resurrection that sealed the reality of redemption. If Jesus did not rise, the message we preach today is completely futile. Let's get some scriptures. I'm going to come back there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the verse 14. First Corinthians chapter 15, the verse 14. 
right, I'll read. He says, I'm reading from the verse 13. Or let me read from the verse 12. He says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Amazing. And he says, Ye and we have found false witnesses, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead not rise. The dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Amazing. He says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is vain. So there is no faith without resurrection. There is no faith without resurrection. There is no preaching without resurrection, and there is no righteousness without resurrection. Very important. There is no faith without resurrection. There is no preaching without resurrection. There is no eternal life without resurrection. So, the resurrection is the core message of the gospel. In every other religion, you don't hear any leader rising up from the dead. In every other religion, you don't hear of any leader rising from the dead. That is how come other religions just can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now you can imagine, how do apostles lay down their lives because of the resurrection? The reason why the apostles were killed was because they stood their grounds that Jesus rose from the dead. Hear this. The apostles died because of the resurrection of Jesus. The apostles died because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because that was the message they preached that got them into trouble. That was the message that got them into trouble. They preached that Jesus rose from the dead. And it is the resurrection that you have eternal That was why they were persecuted and eventually killed. So why would a group of people die because they preach that someone rose from the dead. Don't you think, don't you think at the point in time they would have just given up on their faith and said that, oh, if it was a lie, if the resurrection was a lie, they wouldn't have died for it. To an extent that some of the disciples had their families killed before them just to deny the resurrection. So some of the disciples watched their entire family being bent. Animals, wild animals were released to kill them. They were bent. Amazing. Just because of the resurrection. Why will you risk your life for something that is not true? Why will you risk your life for something that is not true? It doesn't make sense. So the resurrection of Jesus is the vital core message. You cannot preach gospel without resurrection. You cannot preach gospel without resurrection. There is no gospel without resurrection. The reason why we have gospel is because Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. So we want to look at the essence of the resurrection. I don't think I can finish this one too. So, um, I, today I want to close very early. So, we're going to continue tomorrow. So, I quickly want to do this in 10 minutes so that we can be out of here and then I continue tomorrow. Or hopefully on Wednesday. So, the essence of the resurrection of Jesus. Number one, the resurrection guaranteed sanction. 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ guaranteed sonship. That's number one. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the assurance and the guarantee of sonship. We are brothers of Jesus Christ and sons of God because of the resurrection. Very, very important. Now let me give you some scriptures. You need to understand this. When Jesus Christ came from the womb of Mary, he was called the only begotten son of God. When Jesus came from the womb of Mary, he was called the only begotten son of God. Only begotten means only begotten. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten that whosoever believeth in him should have everlasting life. So when Jesus came from the womb of Mary, he was the only begotten son of God. That means he was the only one. He was the only one that was begotten. But something happened and the language changed. When Jesus rose from the dead, that language changed. In the New Testament, you don't find anywhere where Jesus is called the only begotten son. You don't find anywhere in New Testament teaching where the Bible calls Jesus the only begotten son of God. No. When Jesus was born, he was called the only begotten. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was called the first begotten. He was called the first begotten or the firstborn. So from the womb of Mary, Jesus was the only begotten. That was in incarnation. Incarnation. In resurrection, Jesus Christ was the first begotten or the firstborn. Let's take some scriptures here. Colossians chapter 1, the verse 18. Colossians 1 18. The Bible says he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. So Jesus was Lord, the firstborn from the dead. So when Jesus rose, he was no longer the only begotten of the father. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was the first begotten or the firstborn from the dead. Let's take the next scripture. Roma, Revelation chapter 1, the verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, the verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 1, 5. I read. He says, And Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now watch that. He says, Who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead? The first begotten of the dead. So Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. If those days you call Jesus the only begotten son, fine. You wouldn't have any issue. But today you can't call Jesus the only begotten son. Because Jesus is no longer the only begotten son. Jesus is the first begotten son. Jesus is the first begotten son. Jesus is the firstborn. Now, the difference between only begotten and firstborn is that only begotten means only begotten. Firstborn means he's not the only one. I'm going to explain that soon. Let's look at the next scripture. Romans chapter 8, the verse 29. Romans chapter 8, the verse 29. Romans 8.29. Now I read. He says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amazing. Jesus was born amongst many brethren. Now, 
The word firstborn in the Greek is the Greek word prototokos. Prototokos. From two Greek words. Protos and Tikto. Protos and Tikto. The word protos means first. The word Tikto means to produce. So, firstborn means prototokos, which means first to produce. Now, the word prototokos also means a prototype or a sample or a model. Now, anytime a prototype is made, the prototype is the first evidence of how all other um, models are going to look like. So, in a prototype, a prototype means that every other thing is going to be fashioned according to what you see. So, Jesus, as the firstborn, was a prototype. Now, when the Bible says Jesus is the firstborn, it does not mean that we are secondborns, thirdborns, fourthborns, fifthborns, sixthborns, seventhborns, eightborns, tenborns. Now, if that was the case, today we, we wouldn't even know who is the uh, thousandth born. We wouldn't know. So, firstborn does not mean, uh, that means the second born and fourth born. No. The firstborn is prototypes, which means a, a prototype. A prototype. That means all other will fashion according to what was made. Now, if, BF, uh, if Toyota does Corolla X and they bring the first prototype of how the Corolla X looks like, they are saying that if they agree on producing it, all Corolla X will look like the, the prototype. That means all other cars that we made according to that brand will look exactly like it. So Jesus is the firstborn in that he is the prototype or the model by which all other Christians or all other believers will look like. The firstborn, our prototype. So we look like him. So the Bible says in Romans 8.29 that he's the firstborn amongst many brethren. He is the firstborn amongst many brethren. He is the firstborn amongst many brethren. That means his brethren look like him. He predestinated them to conform to the image of his son. He predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. So, God destined before time that we will look like Jesus. That is how, that is what makes him firstborn. Hallelujah. So, um, the resurrection guaranteed our sonship. So, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are sons of God. We are sons of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now look at Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 10. He says, For it became of him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. The verse 11 says, for both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. For which cause he is not ashamed to call us brethren. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ guaranteed sonship. It was through his resurrection that we are called the sons of God. It was through his resurrection that we are called the sons of God. Now remember, though Jesus Christ was the son of God, he was not the son of God in full capacity when he functioned on earth. Jesus Christ did not function as the son of God on earth. On earth, Jesus functioned as the son of man. On earth, Jesus functioned as the Son of Man. So, though he was the Son of God, he did not function as the Son of God. Because if Jesus functioned in the full capacity of a Son of God, he couldn't have been Savior because he would have possessed and expressed divine attributes. So, he would not have functioned as the Son of God. So, if you read the book of Luke, he was referred to as the Son of Man. 
So though Jesus was the son of God, he functioned more on earth as the son of man. Hallelujah. So when did Jesus Christ become the son of God in full? Or Jesus become the son of God in completion? Now, let's see that in Romans chapter um, 1, the verse 3. Romans chapter 1, the verse 3. Romans chapter 1, the verse 3. Alright, so get your Bibles there. Let's read. Uh, it says, okay, let's read from the verse 1. He says, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. So according to the flesh, he was made according to the seed of David. The verse 4 says, And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Let me read the verse 4 again. And declare to be the Son of God. So Jesus functioned on earth as the Son of God. But watch this. He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the resurrection from the dead. According to the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus became the Son of God by his resurrection. So he, he became the son of God in resurrection. It was through the resurrection that we could be called sons. Because until Jesus rose in sonship, we couldn't have been called sons of God. So the resurrection um, um, guaranteed sonship. Hallelujah. Now let's look at Acts chapter 13, the verse 32. Acts chapter 13, the verse 32. Now I read. He says, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he had raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now, uh, this scripture was quoted in Psalm 2 verse 7. Psalm 2 verse 7. So, when the scripture said, Thou art my son, and this day have I begotten thee, it was not talking about his incarnation. It was referring to the resurrection of Jesus. So, Jesus was declared the son of God by the power of resurrection. So, Jesus became the son of God in completion when he rose from the dead that is how come we can be called the sons of god today when we believe in jesus so the resurrection of jesus christ guaranteed our sonship we are sons of god because of the resurrection of jesus hallelujah we are sons of god because of the resurrection of jesus christ we are sons of god because of the resurrection of jesus christ now i want to end here we are going to continue tomorrow or Wednesday. I have some more to share with you, but time won't permit me to do that. I want to spend at least an hour with you. So either Tuesday or Wednesday, we are going to continue. So don't forget what we did today. Let me just do a recap. We learned about the theories that were propounded against the resurrection of Jesus. We said the, the first theory that was propounded was called the swoon theory, which believed that Jesus Christ did not die but fell into coma. And we explained that Jesus actually died and rose. The second theory was the wrong tomb theory. We believe that uh, the, the women actually went to the wrong tomb. And when they found the body, they said Jesus, Jesus had risen up. That was the theory that was propounded. We have explained that. The third theory that was raised against the resurrection was the stolen body theory. We stated that uh, Jesus' body was stolen and that he was not raised. We have explained that also. 
Then the fourth theory was the hallucination theory, which stated that the disciples didn't actually see Jesus in a bodily form. They were actually hallucinating in their minds about his resurrection. So we explained all that, and we disputed all those theories in the resurrection of Jesus. So we also spoke about the essence of the resurrection of Jesus, and we stated that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the guarantee of ascension. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we couldn't have been called sons of God. Because Jesus was the only begotten son when he incarnated in the flesh. When he died and rose, he was called the firstborn or the first begotten. So, uh, first begotten means there are other children. Praise God. So, in Romans 8.29, the Bible says that, For those he foreknew, he predestinated to be conformed uh, to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. So, Jesus became the firstborn amongst many That means in his resurrection, he now has many brothers. In his resurrection, he now has many brothers. So, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it guaranteed that God can have more sons. We are sons of God because he rose from the dead. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, Behold what a man of love that the Father should lavish upon us that we should become the sons of God. So today we are the sons of God. The believer is the child of God. We are sons of God. We are in God's family. Paul says, Therefore I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So the believer is the son of God. We are in the family of God because Jesus rose from the dead. So tomorrow we are going to continue. And I believe your life is never going to be the same. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we thank you. We bless you and we give you glory. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you, to share with your children the realities of resurrection in your son, Jesus. We pray that the eyes of the understanding will be enlightened and as they study him, they are going to see him more and more. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Father, this day we pray that we know you and the power of your resurrection. We thank you, Father, for a glorious